Welcome to Regenerative Perspectives, where we explore different aspects of regeneration and what it means for us and our future. We talk to a variety of people with different backgrounds, from experts to students, and present their thoughts, projects, and visions. Hello, I'm Felix. Welcome to the second episode of Regenerative Perspectives, the podcast of the Young Innovators Program. Today, our focus is on finance. All changes need to be financed and therefore an effective shift to a more sustainable society needs to include the finance sector. Our guest today is a professor at Utrecht University who does research in finance and sustainable investment. Great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm Dina, just to introduce myself. I'm also part of this Young Innovators program. It was really fun so far, uh, but now we want to um, get some results out of it and um, by having some guests talking about the topic. So I think Felix will start to um, yeah, ask some of the questions and of course, feel free to share whatever you think um, it would be valuable. Um, we are happy to hear what you think. Okay, yeah, same holds for me. So please go ahead. I mean, I, uh, I agree with you, like regenerative, the, the, the name is, yeah. So it, it's a little bit vague or difficult to, I think, to, to fill in what it, really, what it really means here. So I think I also leave that up to you to, to maybe to come to the core there, um, yeah. but uh, I would say let's uh, let's start. Could you quickly introduce yourself um, for the for the listeners, like uh, saying what you're doing and would be great, I think. Yeah, so I'm Dirk Gerritsen. I'm working as an assistant professor here at the Utrecht University School of Economics, and I am a member of the uh, section finance. So we're uh, organized in different sections: uh, entrepreneurship, uh, applied economics, economics, and, uh, and finance. So I'm part of the finance section. And what we do, we do research into into finance. So then you're talking about financial markets, for example, uh, maybe hedge funds. Uh, you've probably heard of, of these funds, stock markets in general, uh, also ESG issues. And I think we're going to talk about ESG later on today. So I'll leave that mm -hmm. for, for later. So that's on the, on the research side. And we also provide the, the, the teaching. Um, so both in the bachelor and we offer a couple of master programs, for example, banking and finance and financial management, uh, where we teach uh, students uh, the yeah, the, the materials they need to know for uh, hopefully a successful career in, in finance. Apparently, the, the whole theme of, of a sustainable economy and that we need to do something to take the environment more into account when we yeah, do, do economics and, and plan our economy has reached academia. But is this, is this uh, sentiment also there in the financial markets or investors? Has there been a shift to yeah, more sustainable investments um, and, and looking into into the environmental impacts of investments, uh, how has that changed in the recent years? Yeah, we we really see that in practice as well. Uh, I mean, of course, also in academia, there are many, many studies already for some decades uh, conducted uh, to, to say the impact of the release of, of um, a toxic index. Uh, so, 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 the, so does that have an effect on stock prices? So if you, if you, if you release that you have a certain amount of toxic waste, I mean, that was going on, I think already in the eighties and the nineties. Um, but research has progressed. Um, so there's many research into, um, we call it ESG, uh, not only in academia, also in the, in, um, uh, in the financial industry. So ESG stands for environment, social and governance. Um, so firms are being scored on these on, on, on these uh, metrics. So for environment, for example, we what what, be, what corporations are scored on, for example, climate change, pollution and waste. Uh, do they take um, do they take on, on environmental opportunities? 
So that's, for example, what, what falls under the E. There's also a social pillar. So there, uh, companies are being scored more on um, diversity, uh, human capital, product liabilities. So do they manage their liabilities uh, correctly if, if something goes on, goes wrong with the product? So that's all in the social domain. And governance, I mean, you need to have your governance clear, straight. Uh, how is your board? How does your board look like? How does the pay look like? How is the ownership? How is that arranged? All these kind of issues are also being scored. Um, so that all um, contributes to, a, to an ESG scoring of a corporation. And what you actually see is that over the past years, especially I think as of 2012, it's really, it's really going fast with the integration and the adoption of these ESG measures by investors. And year on year, you see a very large growth rate of uh, assets that are being managed where the ESG profile of corporations is being taken into account. That's something mm-hmm. that about one third of the, of the assets currently managed, at least in the U.S., uh, are, are, are managed with a specific eye for the ESG profile of the firms uh, in the portfolios. Is this uh, score, is this EG score relevant because uh, investors think, okay, this is important um, from an ethical perspective. And even if the firms do uh, in, in reality not perform that well, I will nevertheless invest because it is important. Or is there a trend that those firms have some kind of advantage in a market and are therefore uh, more valued? Yeah, good question. So there is indeed there is indeed a trend that you have to internalize these costs. I mean, now you're simply there are externalities. They're they're bad for I don't know for the surroundings, bad for the for the for the people living around you, but it's not bad for you because you're emitting these things and you don't have a problem. But more and more, these costs will have to be internalized. So ultimately, they will also be costs for the company rather than for the environment. And that's also something that investors are currently recognizing. And therefore, they also see that it's actually good for, well, for the wallet, good for the, for the, for, for, for future stock returns if you invest in companies that have a high rating, um, because they don't do not have too too uh, too large spillovers to the environment, and they don't have to internalize large costs at a later stage. So it's in that sense, it's um, people think it's also good for the for the financial return. I think that was your second question here, but definitely also because they think it's it's ethical that you should do so. Um, you have to, I think everyone has to be aware or is aware now of, of the huge climate risks that, we, that we're facing. And therefore also these um, climate risks are a very important uh, input into, the, into the, the whole ESG thinking by investors. So, so both it's, it's ethical and also it's definitely if, from a financial perspective, it's also relevant to, to consider ESG issues. Where do you think... The sustainable aim is most contradicting the profit goals. Um, where do you think like most has to be done in order to really um, foster sustainable development, and um, which might contradict sometimes or even often um, the financial the financial goals? So you say that firms are are investing in sustainable things, but it's it's only it's only costly and it doesn't yield anything. That's that's your that's your question. Like I'm the like as far as I'm understanding, um, people like or society and the financial sector aims for a more sustainable f- financial sector. But on the other hand, I still see the the aim to make profit, right? So my question would be: In which situations do you spe- uh, feel that this contradiction is especially strong? Mm, I'm not sure if they if if they're if they if it's very strong. I mean, usually. It it, take, it costs money at first, so so that's that's 
I think, uh, what people are afraid of. First, you have to invest and only later on you reap the benefits. Mm. And it's the same thing with, for example, investing in a more efficient production. You, want, you would like to have less, um, less product waste. At first, you, know, you have to invest in, 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 in your whole um, production capacity. That, take, that costs money. But later on, as soon as your whole um, packaging, for example, it has become more efficient and there's less waste, the benefits will definitely be there. So, so I think in many, many instances, it will actually generate, it will generate value, but you definitely have to take the long term into, into account and not only focus on the short run. And I think that's many times that, that may be a problem that people are too short term oriented. Um, but you have to definitely have to take the longer term into perspective. Yeah. Okay. Makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, short-term focus has led us to many problems, or will lead us to still many problems. I fear. Do you do you think there needs to be more regulations, state regulations in the financial markets? Because, for example, we already have a carbon tax that applies to the companies themselves. But do you think there needs to be specific regulations in the financial market, in the stock market, in investing rules that apply to the money, so to say? I, I don't think that we need it. Uh, I mean, not at this stage. And I mean, I'm not saying that I'm that would be all, always against it. But what you currently see is you see a very large growth rate of these uh, ESG uh, mandated um, funds. So and that actually that speaks for itself that you see that also many ultimate investors, many end investors like, like, like I and pension funds, for example, that they really find it important and therefore, they're already actually steering uh, in an increasing way. They're steering their money towards fund or, or sorry, corporations that are doing well on this ESG uh, uh, universe. So therefore, I'm not sure that we really need regulations there because I think many people already see that it's very important to do so, and they see that the money is already going to this corporation. And what you see then, the nice the outcome of that, that's also I think very relevant. If if there's more money flowing towards these companies, that means that the companies uh, are, are becoming uh, getting a higher valuation. And that's also, it also means that it becomes easier for them, for example, to attract new capital. So to issue shares for a higher, for a higher price. And with that, uh, with those means, they can also easier uh, invest, for example, uh, in new activities because it's easier for them to attract or they can more cheaply attract new capital. And on the other hand, the ones that are not so doing well on the ESG, they see their stock prices going down, and then for them it's, it's harder to basically to attract new capital. So that's actually an important market force here, I think. Um, so also for them, ultimately, it will pay off to invest more into their ESG profile, um, so to do more sustainable things so that the share price goes up, that they're not being ex excluded by many money managers, so that the share price goes up, and also for them it becomes easier to, to raise new capital. So therefore, I don't think we need regulation now, and I think the market is actually doing, I mean, yeah, Better, better, yeah, better late than never. Uh, but the market is doing uh, doing its thing now. So when is the market doing its thing? Is has it been a thing of the last five years or ten years? Yeah, it's a, I think it's exponential exponential growth for a long time. But well, if you start very small, it takes it takes a long time, even with exponential growth, before it before it really becomes sizable. Yeah. Uh, but I think for the past ten years, it, it, it's, it's becoming really uh, big. But and then, like I said, it's exponential, so it becomes bigger and bigger. I find that very promising. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's um, I think it's a very good, it's a very good direction. 
Interestingly, there are many different uh, providers of, for example, ESG ratings. So you say, uh, I mean, corporations, of course, they also publish a lot of different things, but it's very difficult for investors to uh, to really value that information. Like, okay, is this company doing better than others? You don't really know. I mean, they all um, publish something, but it's, it's not really comparable. Uh, there are also not many, not many investors that have had ESG training, so they also don't know how to interpret it. Um, so we have different rating agencies now. Uh, I think four large ones, five large ones uh, globally, and they are scoring these these companies. So the companies are, are are sending also uh, documents to these to these rating agencies. These rating agencies they also read news, and then ultimately they provide scores for these companies. So yeah, and then they also maintain indexes, for example. So if you want to be included into an index uh, comprised of of say the top 400 uh, ESG performers, you need to well, you need to show that you're actually being green. You need to show that you're working on your on your social issues and your governance. And then they include you in, in, a, in, in such an index. And such an index is being tracked again by, by investors. Um, so that will lead to more capital again. So that's a little bit how the, how the, how the system works. Uh, but there's not the definition on ESG is not entirely clear. So sometimes you're scoring well at one firm, a little bit less with the other rating agency and, and better at the other rating agency. So also the... Um, the industry itself, the ESG industry itself, is still, I think, emerging, and the standards are not really clear of what an excellent ESG profile means. Um, so that's that's also interesting that the, yeah, uh, it hasn't crystallized yet. It isn't. It's not crystal clear. Um, but the important thing is that I think more and more people are at least uh, allocating the capital to, to ESG-friendly companies. Although it's not entirely clear what ESG friendly is, but uh, so that, that that's still work in progress, I think, for the industry. Yeah, but it sounds like that the agency has somehow like taken control. So um, if you're certified by this, those agencies, it can actually be taken as a reliable um, reliable information, right? So when it comes to business, often the, often the issue is like greenwashing that companies are um, saying they're sustainable, but in the end it's not truly sustainable or only sustainable like for on paper, but not in reality. So those re those agencies actually control that the, the, the sustainable and um, governmental rules are actually met? Yeah. Okay, cool. Industry adjust your score. So, I mean, in, usually in the oil and, and coal industry, the fossil fuels, I mean, most corporations will not score too well, but they will also adjust for that so that, that it's easy for you to pick the best one uh, within that class. So, for example, if you say, oh, well, I do want to invest in in a, in, a, in a good firm, uh, I mean, in a relatively, a relatively good firm, uh, then it's also easier for you to pick the, the, the company there. Um, mm -hmm. So that is, if you, if you take a look at policies, so if you're an investor, there are different policies how to integrate this whole ESG investing into your, uh, how to take it into account. Um, so for example, what you can do is you can, what they call exclusionary screening. So then they say, well, we're not investing in oil, we're not investing in weapons, we're not investing many things and you're just excluding them uh, and another approach is for example best-in-class approach where you say well I want to invest okay I'm not entirely divesting a complete a complete sector but I'm only investing then in the best performer on ESG in the sector so that's yeah. also that's also a possibility and that's where these ESG rating agencies actually where they come in quite uh, where they come in quite handy and even another approach is that they say well we are going to invest in these oil companies but because we have a share there we have we have we are a shareholder we can talk to the board and we can actually 
well, manipulate the board, that they're going to uh, take a more uh, a more environmental friendly uh, perspective in the future. So that's that's another way of thinking. I mean, you can say I don't want to invest in them, but then it also makes sure that you don't have a say in the future policy. Or you say I am investing in them, and with my share shares in them, I would like in the company, I would like to uh, take them a different road for the years to come. So so even there, it's not entirely. Uh, clear, yeah. What the best approach is actually? Yeah, that sounds like sounds like an approach, or yeah, how, for the big players, you could say. Do you see there any difference between uh, big players and retail investors, so everyday people investing themselves in a couple of stocks? Do you see there any difference in um, environmental or environmentalism and how people um, choose their stocks? Are retail investors more interested in, yeah? Choosing green stock than uh, the big players. I'm not. Sure. Uh, I I know that both are very interested in them. And, and I mean, when I talk about big players, I also talk about pension funds. And ultimately, pension funds they are managing our money, so on behalf of the retail investors. Um, I mean, that also holds for bank mutual funds, for example. They also invest our money. But I think I don't have the the exact numbers. But I'm pretty sure that also retail investors they they increasingly care for the environmental uh, impact of the stocks. Although, yeah, definitely if you talk about stocks, I'm just thinking about Bitcoin here, uh, which is not a stock, uh, which is very energy demanding. And then a lot of people are investing in Bitcoin. And then I think, well, that doesn't really, that doesn't really fit well with the, the carbon footprint uh, that, that some people might uh, want to optimize. Um, so it's definitely not all retail investors are... Are, are thinking about are thinking about ESG issues, but also there you see a growing a growing interest for it. But the, regarding the Bitcoin, just out of curiosity, I think this um, it's so energy intense because of the blockchain technology, right? So th this would mean that the blockchain technology itself is not sustainable. Yeah, yeah, you have different coins, I think, and different different technologies. Some may be more sustainable than others, but indeed, if you're thinking about Tesla and they, I mean, they are so green because they have electric car. But on the other hand, if they also going to buy a lot of Bitcoin, you say they say you can now buy a car for a Bitcoin, or at least you can purchase, you you can do the transaction in a number of Bitcoins. Yeah, I don't think if I don't think it really aligns, but that, that's just my personal opinion here. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. What would you say are still um, problems in the financial markets which are take uh, like holding us back um, to get a more sustainable um, society um, from the financial perspective? Do you think there are some issues you have in mind you would you would think we have to target in the next few years? Well, I think it would be good if there's more um, homogeneity in ESG ratings, for example, because now there there's a lot under the umbrella. But I think if you really want to have a lot of faith in the ESG label, in the ESG, that's not a brand, it's a label, then you also need to make very clear what you actually mean with ESG. What, what is important here in the environment, uh, sorry, in the environmental uh, category? What's important in social, what's important in governance? And the fact that not all these ratings really align can also lead to, I think, to questions among investors, like what am I now really investing in? If, if MSCI, which is a large rating agency, says this company is doing is doing very well, and Sustainalytics, another rating agency, says this company is doing very well. Well, what 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 is the truth there? 
maybe it's also nice that we don't know it yet. I mean, it's, it's, it is work in progress. It's still a relatively young field. I mean, if you're talking about credit ratings, lots of rating agencies there, they, they evaluate uh, um, the, the credit risk of companies. Yeah, there are hard models there, and we, we can we can predict. ESG simply it is is not so concrete. It, it's 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 still a little bit of a vague concept. But I think that it will be nice if these ratings will align. Uh, I think it's good for the confidence in the in, in these ratings, and it will definitely help investors to um, to steer their money uh, to the to the to the right categories. On the other hand. Yeah, it's still a financial market. It's a market, so not everyone not everyone is interested in it. I mean, there's also a study that shows that if you invest in sin stocks, uh, and sin stocks it means weapons, uh, these kind of stocks, you actually get better returns, and that's possible. I mean, if no one is investing in these stocks, they are now selling for depressed prices. So if you can buy them for a bargain, yeah, you will like most likely have a, have a relatively large a large uh, return. So in that sense, it's still people that driving the that driving the financial markets. And we're not there yet. And you will always have people that simply go for the highest financial return and not the highest um, impact of their of their money. But the trend is clearly up, and I think that's very uh, that, that, that's very promising for the years to come. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Switching the topic a little bit and talking about uh, people changing prices, GameStop. The big news there with the stock market or news is not new anymore. It's uh, two months ago almost. What does that mean for for how people view financial markets, for the financial education, for rules that will maybe in 10 years be applied to the financial market? Do you think that a huge amount of people or the big amount of people more interested in the stock market has an influence on the democratization of the stock market, that the opinion of, of retail investors will be more important? Yeah, well, that whole GameStop story—it's—it's it's a very strange story. I think maybe not everyone knows what the GameStop story is about, but it's about uh, a group of investors, basically on Wall Street, Reddit, the subreddit, I believe. They've been—they've been arguing, they're calling on everyone to buy these GameStop stocks, um, especially because there were some hedge funds in it, and hedge funds were betting on a decrease in the short price uh, in the stock price. And therefore, they they want to teach this hedge fund a lesson and say we're going to buy these uh, buy these stocks, uh, buy the GameStop stocks. And if the share price goes up, these hedge funds they were they are betting on a decrease in the short price. They will actually suffer a lot. And apparently, that's fun. I think that's. Uh, am I summarizing it here correctly, uh, Felix? Yeah, yeah. I think it sounds yeah sounds like I understand it. Yeah, with with my limited knowledge. Yeah, they call it. Uh, I mean, I think the democratization of the stock market is it's already is going on for many years. I mean, first you had to pay huge fees to buy stocks, and these fees have come down come down uh, tremendously over the past decades. Um, so now it's it is possible for each and everyone to buy stocks. Um, of course, you have to pay a fee because you're using a broker, you're using a bank, for example, to buy your stocks, and the bank is facilitating it, so you always have to pay something for it. Um, but these fees have come have come down a lot. So, so I think with that already, stock markets uh, have become more democratic. That at least each and every one um, is not faced with huge fees if they want to invest. And then you see the GameStop uh, story. It's a bit, yeah, I, I don't really understand it in the sense. Of, I think I think it was a, like a pyramid scheme. Of course, if you could buy the GameStop stocks, uh, GameStop, yeah, stocks very cheaply, uh, and you can manipulate a lot of people into buying 
more of these stocks, then of course you make a killing. And that's, I think, also what happens to the people that, that bought GameStop, uh, GameStop stocks uh, very cheap. Um, but ultimately, um, it is possible to, to make a valuation of a company. So if you're investing in a company, what do you get? Basically, you get the, the future dividends that the company will pay out, or, or you get a stake in the company and its future profitability. So there is a reason why a company is listed for a certain price on the stock exchange. I mean, the price can go up and down on the daily on the daily uh, rate. Um, but there's a reason that a company is, is priced at a certain price. And that's because, in, in the case of Game, GameStop, it's, it's because they, um, they missed the whole... Um, uh, I mean, they were still a little bit, I think, a bricks, mortar and bricks. Uh, yeah, and... Too little focus on online uh, online distribution. Yep. Indeed. So so the future profitability, the expected profitability, was actually quite low. So then what happens to the stock price? Well, the stock price also goes down because the stock price just reflects your future opportunities. And then you can think as retail investors, well, we do not agree and we're going to buy these stocks. And, and, and if, the, if demand is higher than supply, uh, the prices go up. But then ultimately you have... Uh, have Simply a guy or a girl uh, purchasing the stocks for about $400, while the actual value uh, uh, pre uh, prior to that was only, what was it, 10 or so, $10, something like that. So they're purchasing something which is way too expensive. Uh, and what happens afterwards? Yeah, well, I mean, if, the, if, if we run out of, of people that are willing, to, that are willing to, to jump on this train, then the stock price decreases again, and that's what happened afterwards. I think it somehow it went up again. I'm not sure where it is now at, at what price. But I think what people are not realizing is that there are many, many, many very smart people are, are in these stock markets. And these hedge funds, they are, for example, they are allowed to take short positions. So what we do if we, if we buy a stock, we say we are long in the stock and a, a hedge fund Unlike other um, institutional or large investors, they can take short positions. And with a short position, we speculate on decrease in the price. It's a very risky position because what you do is you borrow a stock from, say, a pension fund. You're selling it, the stock, and you're buying it back six months later, and then you're giving it back to the pension fund. So that's, that's how sh uh, shorting works. So what happens if you, if you short a stock for, for $10? Well, if it goes to, for example, $4, you're making a profit because you sold it for 10, you're buying it back for four. That means you have a profit of six. You can make a maximum profit of $10 if it goes bankrupt from 10 to zero. But the losses are infinite. I mean, if, it, if the stock price goes up to 100, well, you actually make a loss of 90. So these people, they will only take these short positions because they are very sure, very certain that the stock market is actually, or the story, the stock price is actually too high relative to its fundamentals. It's not that they're trying to trick retail investors into doing certain things. It's not that they want to squeeze the the, the, the wallet of retail investors uh, and, and, and let them lose money. It's just that they say, hey, this stock is overpriced. We're taking a short position in it. So these investors in GameStop, I'm not exactly sure what they thought. They thought we're going to teach these hedge funds a lesson. And indeed, hedge funds lost something, but ultimately, it's also the, the retail investors themselves that lost because they were inflating the prices, getting then in, getting in at, at high prices. Um, what many retail investors do not know is that, well, the market in that sense is quite efficient. The price you're currently paying for something is apparently the value 
people are, are attaching to it. And it has to do with future profitability. It has to do with the level of risk of a company. I mean, the riskier it is, the less you're, you're willing to invest in it um, because you don't you do not know if you're really going to get these cash flows in the future because the, the, a lot of things may happen to the company. So yeah, back to your, your question about democratization. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it, it, there are many retail investors. It's, it's very it's become very easy for retail investors to invest, but they should also understand, I think, the, the basics and that's in general that markets are, are relatively relatively efficient uh, and it doesn't make too much sense to fight other investors or so. I mean, ultimately, that's that's going at the cost of your own return. Yeah, so this was somehow a very big story, some a dramatic story. Um, and what I'm thinking is that probably a lot of people are more interested in the stock market in general. And I think a lot of people are also through the news more educated about the stock market. And um, do you think that that might have a lasting impact that people don't see the stock market or yeah, that less people see the stock market as something that is happening on Wall Street in America and doesn't affect them and as something that they can really change and take part of through this big story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think many people, especially now that, well, there's not so much, there's, there's not so much to spend your money on in this, uh, in these lockdowns. So I think many more people started, started opening investment accounts, uh, started investing. Um, but I think many retail investors, they are mistaking uh, investing for trading. So investing is yeah. something you do for the long run. Um, every month you can invest, I don't know, 100 euros, maybe 500 euros. Uh, invested in a certain maybe ESG friendly um, uh, investment fund and you will over the years you will accumulate wealth and you can use that I don't know for for your pension or whatever um, that's what I think what investing is um, you see many people now they they engage in trading and trading simply means you're buying something now because you think it's too cheap and you hope to sell it tomorrow or maybe next week or maybe next hour uh, for a profit and there are now many of these very low cost, uh, low cost brokers. So, for example, in the U.S., you have the Robinhood, uh, where you can actually trade commission free. So, commission free, then people think, hey, it doesn't cost me anything. So, it, it actually leads to a lot of trading among these individuals because they think, well, it doesn't cost me anything to buy it and not to sell it. Um, but where they're, where they're going wrong is that they can only trade commission free because Robinhood, for example, sells the order flow. So sells all the orders to a um, to a uh, another company. Um, so another company is basically paying Robinhood to get all these orders from retail clients, and they know that retail clients, on average, are not the smartest. Um, so they execute these orders. Some they money. know they will make a profit on it, and Robinhood actually gets a kickback from this company um, that executes all these retail orders. Um, it's also not entirely clear if these retail orders are being executed against the best price or whether they're actually paying a little bit too much for their orders here. Um, so if it's not exactly clear yeah, how the, how the, how the company is making their, uh, their profit, like, like, uh, um, like the broker Robin Hood, then you are, can be very certain that you are actually the product and that's, that's what's happening there. So many people engage in the stock market now indeed. But I'm not sure if they engage in the right way. And I think they should engage for the long term and not so much for trading. Because if you read the literature, people simply on average lose, lose, mon lose money through trading. The largest uh, 
a detriment to the to the to the uh, the returns of retail investors is actually because they're continuously buying selling um, the timing is relative timing skills are relatively bad of investors um, so the ones that engage in selling usually if the stock market decreases for some time they become very wary uh, they're going to sell um, but then the stock market goes up and they're not in, into the stock market anymore uh, and they only start buying into the stock market when the stock prices are at a high level again. Well, that's exactly not the thing you should do, but it's simply our mind uh, that's tricking us and that becomes scared and you, you're buying and selling at the wrong, uh, the wrong time. So that's maybe that's also trading, uh, making these decisions based on, on what happens to, the, to, the, to the, the level of the stock market. To come back to your question, I think there are many more people, many people indeed now uh, active on the financial markets. But I think what I should do is simply buy and hold for the long term. And the whole trading game, of course, is very exciting. Uh, I definitely see that. But it doesn't yield you much profit, usually. So the, the positive impact from the financial markets onto a sustainable uh, economy, a sustainable society, a regenerative society, uh, comes more from yeah long-term green investment not from trading and whether in retail investors are, are investing through yeah hedge funds or banks or so or themselves doesn't make too much of a difference uh no i think it's good that they how, how do you say the last the last thing sorry your last point yeah, so that it's that this democratization of the stock market that was, or there's the term that was thrown around that people are now themselves buying more stocks doesn't actually make a big difference in the stock market for, for the sustainability because the big companies or yeah, big players are investing more and more sustainable anyways and um, small retail investors are not necessarily more green than big players. That's what I, that's what I understood from it. No, indeed, I think that's uh, that's correct. So also on behalf of small investors, indeed, pension funds are are investing with a green a green mindset. Um, so that's definitely that's definitely the case. Yeah, and I think financial markets have enabled more and more people to, I think, to save for their pensions using using investing. Uh, that wasn't really possible a long time ago because the the fees were so hefty. Now the fees have come down, um, so it's become easier for many individuals now. To, to build up a nice capital by, by, by investing in stocks uh, rather than by putting the money in a savings account. But the last step I think they should take is that many retail investors should not engage in only trading. That's the fun part, but usually fun, uh, well, most of the fun, uh, the things that are fun cost money. Indeed, indeed. So that's also, uh, also, also playing a role here. Um, but they should, be, they should transform to long-term investors. Uh, and that's, the, I think, where we still have, have some work to do. Okay. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much for these insights. That was, that was um, a very cool talk to hear about yeah, the financial markets, the position there and what people can do and how, if any of our listeners want to invest, how they should invest, not with, with short-term trading or so, but with selecting good stocks, green stocks and holding on to them for a yeah, longer time. So real investing. All right. Thank you. Thank you Thanks for a lot. Yeah. having me. Thanks very much. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Thank you yes. for your Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>